Welcome to episode 89 of the RSP Podcast, where a group of working professionals come together to talk across all of the platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, about the games, movies, and shows they love to enjoy in their free time. I'm your host today, Alex, and joining me to talk about these things are my co-hosts, Matt. What's going on? Tiffany. Hello, hello. And Yasser. Hello. That was a new intro. Very fancy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in line with today's topic. And so on that note, you know, today we're talking about accessibility in a way, you know, multi-platform slash just the availability of the content that we consume, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. in this industry, we've kind of moved from the a la carte right, buying, you know, the DVD off the shelf, the game off the shelf type of thing into this streaming era. And on top of that, right, we're kind of now being pigeonholed into these kind of select services, right? It's like you're subscribing to Netflix, you're subscribing to, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, you're subscribing to Xbox Game Pass, PS Plus. And with that, you know, you're kind of subject to the availability or unavailability of the content related thereto. And, you know, in light of recent events, I thought this conversation would be, you know, relevant and maybe it's relevant to the future or forever. Hopefully it's relevant and talking about the availability in this case of games and whether or not games are exclusive or multi-platform, right, available to multiple uh, players. And I, I want to po- start this conversation with kind of my idea that and maybe you guys don't agree with this and hopefully you guys don't agree with this and hopefully we can get something uh, good out of it is that honestly i think when games launch i think games should launch as exclusives Mm -hmm. do you want to keep going or is that the take uh, i mean that's kind (laughs) of the basis of it if you guys want me to elaborate sure but if you guys have thoughts on it i just kind of want the conversation to take off from there so I think that is very natural in today's ecosystem. Like you said, this is prevalent not only in games, but in other forms of media as well. But we're seeing it kind of seep into gaming nowadays. And so I guess to clarify for you, you say that's like your intended or preference uh, for a launch of a game. Is there a point of exclusivity that you'd like to see? Or... Is there anything that you'd elaborate further as far as the period of exclusivity? Sure. I I think it's that level of, you know, as we're moving forward, right, obviously there's also talk about budgets of games and these things that I'm saying, right. You know, the games are kind of ballooning to these, you know, sick, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, right. in budget for these larger titles. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea of saying, right. Is this, industry sustainable right can we continue to launch these games or you know at these price points and still make money off of it but then also giving a good product right for us to consume right Mm -hmm. because you know at the end of the day we're trying to enjoy these games and a lot of kind of the basis around me saying i feel like games should launch as exclusives and that's right the emphasis there is launching as exclusives Mm -hmm. is because mostly i feel like when you know when developers have kind of one target platform to focus on for the most part, I feel like that's when the best games come out. Right. Like when we consider uh, most exclusives, especially from Sony and Nintendo in particular, 
usually their first party titles are, you know, these great, fantastic titles. You know, looking at last year in particular, stuff like Tears of the Kingdom, Mario Wonder, Spider-Man 2, right? These were titles that launched as exclusives and may remain exclusives, at least for now they are. And these were great experiences, right? And so I feel like there's this kind of onus to say, well, honestly, on the flip side, right, I understand kind of not everyone has the access to these platforms. And so there's some restricted availability on that front. But at least at launch, when people bought these games, they were getting the best product they could, at least for the most part, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. all of these games got post-launch uh, patches to correct some things. Mm-hmm. But at launch for the um, majority of players, they had a great time with these games, hence their review scores. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of it falls in line and where I feel, you know, there is this conversation of having multi-platform games and for accessibility, I'm an advocate of it. Like I want you to be able to play wherever, whenever you want. But then at the same time, right, I feel like there are a lot of games that kind of suffer from having to support right multiple platforms at launch. And in particular, there are some things you look at last year that I just want to point out. And um, WB actually seemed like they made the call with Hogwarts Legacy, right? That is multi-platform, but they you know, staggered the launch of those versions over the course of the year. And for the sure. most part, it seemed like every version of the game was pretty good. And so it's like one of those things where I'm kind of like, I feel like Hogwarts Legacy last year being the best-selling game of 2023 kind of showed the example of, right, we can focus down the platforms we launch on to get the best product out and kind of get it to the expanded audience as time permits. I, I feel like this, I, I get what you're saying. I get like exclusivity being kind of might be the best way to really utilize like haptic feedback. Haptic feedback for PlayStation is still underutilized, even like with PlayStation first party. And sure, if you're only going to be thinking about this, it's going to exclusively to PS5. I get that, and maybe that does help development. In my mind, though, like some of the best games are some of the smallest games, too. And I don't know how it would be sustainable to not let those be first party. You know, you've got Kojima, right? Kojima's got OD, which is going to Xbox. And then now they have this other one, Pheasant or Facant, whatever it is (laughs) that they just announced. Yeah, yeah, Kazootite that's coming out for Sony. And like Kojima basically is just waiting for people to come to his yard and write a fat big old check but no one else is kojima like kojima can wait for the highest bidder but for for some of these smaller titles like it doesn't really make sense to just be exclusive unless you're getting these huge deals is is my thinking at least I, i think game pass is one of those ideas that for some of these smaller companies maybe they can put their game on game pass and that may cost you know cover some of the cost of development and maybe then you know we we are seeing some of those timed exclusivity going to other platforms but for me i just feel like like it, it works for first party studios but otherwise if they're not connected to anybody if they don't have no one writing the check at the end of the day i don't know like i, I feel like send it to as many places day one as possible um because then you'll get the money and there you'll go you'll make more games I, I am on the same side as Matt with, I think it is important for the game developer to essentially make the decision. 
So if they want to reach the masses and they ha- and their game is smaller indie and can run everywhere pretty much, you know, good at launch, then let them put them everywhere. And but if one developer really just wants to partner with one, you know, publisher or platform, you know, let them make the decision. So I am a proponent of letting like I don't really care. Honestly, if it's like only on Xbox at launch and then later comes elsewhere, I already know what ecosystem I'm in and it is very few and far between that one launch will make me kind of swap over to the next group just because I'm so excited to play on launch. Um, But I just want to say out there, like, just forget Nintendo right now. Like for these big old (laughs) publishers, like, just forget about them. Let's just like just do Sony and um xbox or playstation xbox and just move on with your lives like the fact that like hogwarts legacy just powered through and like i don't know in the fall launched on switch like that was not worth your time i'm gonna be real (laughs) they had to decrease the hogwarts size to only five people though uh it was a shame. It was yeah, a I was. Yeah, I. I'm literally like, just forget about them. Like, if you're, if Alex is really talking about like the technical prowess of launching and like, you know, the dev time not being extended longer than it needs to in order to hit every platform, like, just forget about the switch and let's we can move on with our lives. Listen, I agree with all three of you guys. Believe it or not, so I get it from all of your perspectives. I think Alex's perspective makes a lot of sense when you really dig down because. A lot of development teams, uh, whether they're larger or smaller, have trouble kind of like coordinating optimization for multiple platforms at the same time. We see this with third-party developers all the time with these like big, massive open worlds. Look at CD Projekt Red, for example. Um, You can't tell me that they wouldn't benefit from trying to focus on one platform and then maybe kind of stagger those releases. So I get it from that perspective that we have a lot of bigger AAA games nowadays that you see launch incomplete and you wonder like how much of that is due to the part that they're trying to be as multi-platform as possible to reach the biggest audience at launch so that they don't have to worry about where their players exist. Everyone can kind of play it. Um, But then you look at what Matt and Tiffany are saying, and I totally get their perspectives as well, um, where you don't want to limit the platforms because you just want to be able to play great games no matter which platform you're on. And obviously all of us are privileged and um, fortunate enough to be able to kind of switch over platforms when we need to or when we want Mm -hmm. to, but not everyone has that opportunity. Um, So really, how can you reach all those players at the same time? all at launch. I think it's a difficult balancing act, especially when nowadays there are specific deadlines that companies have to meet. And if they don't meet them, then they're just going to release what they have ready um, because that's really the only option that devs get a lot of times. And we get, obviously, um, we blame devs a lot when they delay games and when they make excuses, quote unquote, uh, for why they can't meet their deadlines. And as a result, I think we're seeing less and less of targeted release dates until devs know that they're ready nowadays. I think we see that a lot in the state of play, as well as other showcases that we've seen. They don't really give you a release date until they know they're ready, which I think is the right strategy moving forward. Um, but all it comes down to, like, how can we optimize the games that are launching and how can we get them out to the biggest player base as possible? 
And I actually support a strategy saying, hey, let's launch on one or two title or one one or two platforms first. And then once we have the bandwidth or once we have another team helping us with some additional ports, we can release them to other platforms down the line. Um, but I just feel like that should be part of the conversation as well. What do you guys all think? I, I, I think like timed exclusivity. I, I know Alex initially brought it up and you're kind of like touching on it right here. Like that, that to me seems like the best of both worlds mm-hmm. because my biggest thing is I don't care if any of the exclusives on anything Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation goes to all the other competitors. Nintendo's would, you know, rather die than (laughs) put (laughs) their crap anywhere else. But, you know, if we're talking about the other two, like, I don't care. Because what if you have that person that they only have one console, you know, or someone, you know, PC Master Race. They're never going to see Sony titles until Sony started having PC ports. That's awesome. Go ahead. Put a 2018 game on the PC in 2022 have at it like i don't care enjoy it like those are good games because like at the end of the day the more people that play these games this is all going to turn into them making other games that we like so it's like i don't know i i feel like so many people get into your little camps Mm -hmm. and they're like no yeah you know i'm gonna die being a sony person i'm gonna die being an xbox person it really doesn't matter to me like just put your stuff everywhere timed exclusivity like it's got to be a business i get it Mm -hmm. um but that way everybody kind of gets a piece of the pie yeah i feel like that does make the most sense too and the funny part is like we're hearing this more recently with titles about xbox potentially being more multi-platform but if you think about it sony's been doing this first uh at least as far as their first party studio games go like obviously nintendo like you said doesn't do this but more and more nowadays, especially looking at 20, 2022 moving forward, we have a lot of first-party title games that start off on PlayStation and then within a year or so make their way onto PC. And so mm-hmm. expanding beyond that, I wish that would be even more prevalent and give players even more options because obviously even just PC and PlayStation is still a segmented portion of the player base. How can we make that even more accessible if they don't have those kind of devices? How can they make it accessible to Xbox players or Switch players or mobile players? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's kind of the strategy that we might see more and more of, a, of the, in the future, uh, where we see more either PlayStation games being released with PC on launch, or we see Xbox games making their way onto Switch and um, PlayStation, I I totally, like you said, Matt, support that. And I think it makes more sense for not only the financials overall for a developing, uh, for a developer crew, but also it helps get their game, like you said, out to more people. So it makes sense in that regard too. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. Um, with this time exclusivity thing, there mm-hmm. is always that risk where it's like, okay, we're going to launch on playstation and then in three months we're gonna launch on xbox what if the game is ass and everyone's like don't get it don't bother like do you know like Uh but but then isn't that good though like then the the lead platform took the blow that people that bought it had to suffer 
And then everyone else is like, oh, I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. it now. I mean, it's not good for the developer, though, which I'm proponent of the developer gets the choice of where how they want to do their release strategy. But... Oh, that's true. But then it goes to show if it couldn't survive on one platform, then how much of, like then it's like, are you supporting them kind of tricking consumers if they're launching a multi-platform and then it's just not great on all platforms rather than just it being not great on one? Yes. And. I think like the time exclusivity though, like they are benefiting the developer because they have to pay for that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, in yeah, my you mind, look at Epic Games that typically you know pays for time PC exclusivity. Mm-hmm. So if you've got like a a booty game, right? Like no one's gonna pay if for it's that. gonna be booty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like and it just it. dies in the water, and then you just are like so much in the hole. Like at least with timed exclusivity, like at least maybe you cover some of the cost. I don't know. I'm not a developer. Or you could be like Nintendo and the Pokemon company and just release a booty game and then never fix it <laughs> because no one copies you, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> game <that>. Freak. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Listen, but I, the other the other piece of this is, especially with Xbox and PlayStation and their exclusivity deals, they typically support the games that they try to make timed exclusives. We saw this with Tomb Raider on Xbox. I know we've seen this on PlayStation with Kojima games, etc. Those internal studios, uh, either in Microsoft or PlayStation and Sony, they help support that game with um, resources and other tools that they have for development. And they help make sure that there's some sort of quality assurance when they pay for those kind of exclusivity terms. So I think it might actually help polish the product by even providing more resources than what the... Um, like original dev team has. You even see this in like PAL world right now. They have a small development team, right? But you have Microsoft jumping in and saying, hey, you're on our platform and we see that you're kind of struggling to make sure that we have feature parity between Steam and Xbox. Why don't we come and help you and get those uh, features kind of built out for you? And that wouldn't be possible if you didn't have that kind of um, agreement between the two organizations. So there are some pros that come along with it. But obviously, there's the other side of that coin where you have a player base that wants to play it immediately and you just don't get to right away, right? I also... Can I ask a question oh. to the group? And like this might take a, a little bit of a step away. Um, what do you guys think about the exclusivity, not amongst games, but amongst like aspects of the game? Like thinking about Marvel's Avengers, where PlayStation had the rights to Spider-Man, yeah. and then like that was just one character that no other console could have gotten into. Like, mm-hmm. I personally hate that. Like, I yeah. if you're gonna release a game, like a full character, that that's a large part of that game. I hated that. I just absolutely hated that. So. I I am all for exclusivity, timed exclusivity, whatever. But like the nickel and dime of like putting a paywall basically of having a PlayStation mm-hmm. to enjoy part of the game. That's something I just yeah. hate. That's, and I don't know if there's a better example. <laughs> that's literally the worst example of exclusivity as far as like the least, the most anti-consumer version of it. Because yeah, you have a player 100%. base that gets to play the same game and are playing... Praying, or sorry, paying the same price, and yet they're getting less content from that mm-hmm. investment that they're putting into the game. But they're trying to support the developers just like any other platform is, and they're not getting that same content. So I totally agree. Uh, Tiffany and Alex, what do you guys think about that? 
I mean, it's more of a relic of the older age, right? Like when you like the earliest I can really remember is going back to stuff like Soul Calibur, back when that was launching on Xbox, uh, GameCube, and PlayStation. There was a platform specific character for each. Sure. You know, like obviously the GameCube version, I think, was Soul Calibur Two got Link. And obviously Link wasn't going to appear on PlayStation or Xbox. And so that seemed more of a carryover of then to kind of differentiate the products, which is just right. As you guys mentioned, it's very anti-consumer. It's more like just the kind of console war era kind of tactics of like, oh, we have exclusive content because it's on this platform, which in today's day and age, right, because everything's so much more spread out and widely available, it's kind of less necessary because i feel like really it just you know it provokes more anger than it does kind of convince people to be like oh yes the gamecube version is better because link is there right like i don't think people have that same outlook as they do you know 20 years ago i think i'm gonna have a hot take Uh and say (laughs) i hate consumers i I, i'm like yeah i'm like well it's a capitalist society and they're gonna do the business is gonna do what they're gonna do and like i just don't hate the player hate the game kind of thing i guess it's like hating the game the game tactics but i mean that's true too you could just not buy like if you don't like it just don't buy it right like obviously the only way we can speak against these devs and companies you know not to say speak against the devs because it's probably not their choice Mm -hmm. but the only way to answer or say to the publishers is right to not buy right in this consumer society if you don't agree with the product right you just don't buy it and that shows that there's no demand for it and whether or not the publisher understands it's because of the choices they made with saying, oh, put this content in and don't put that content in type of thing. That's kind of a little bit more murky and might need some actual exchange of words, right? Like obviously, you know, via social media or maybe even, I don't know if people still do it, but writing to the publisher directly via letter or something, um, voicing your displeasure. But I think there is that kind of level of saying, I agree with certain there's kind of this implicit agreement when you buy something and you say I'm fine with it versus not buying it. Listen, I don't think saying if you don't like it, don't buy it is ever a good solution. I'm not disagreeing with you that that is I think viable. it's the baseline though. Like it's the front line. Yeah, but it's just right? it's such a bad look. Let's like if you recall in the completely botched Xbox One uh like reveal announcement and whatever you want to call that they told people like hey uh like what if we don't want online only all the time and their response was well we have a product for you it's called the xbox 360 uh so you don't have to buy the xbox one (laughs) like oh oh okay (laughs) and so then everyone who didn't like that just got a ps4 instead it's just not the right way to treat your consumers if you really want to expand your player base um, and like you said, it's not the devs that are making these decisions. These are like the C-suite people, the marketing people that are saying, okay, like how can we increase sales? Let's make a contract with so-and-so organization and um, that will help increase the sales of that player base. But end of the day, I feel like it's very anti-consumer and it just is not a good look for any company. I do have to say though that I just didn't have that many strong opinions opinions about the spider-man exclusivity but you know it would have been nicer if they in turn gave xbox a character for their own as well 
you know? Like, so it turns into almost like a Pokemon red and blue situation mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, if I want if I want to get this one Pokemon <laughs> without having to trade, I'll just pick this one. That's actually a great comparison because I know a lot of people who love Pokemon that hate the fact that you have to uh, like buy multiple colors just to get all the Pokemon. Like the whole point of Pokemon is to catch them all, right? And you can't yeah. do that on Pokemon Red, for example. And it's just frustrating. Um, but and- you know, like <laughs> the game developer wanted like the interaction of trading with people yeah. to be part of the experience. Sure. So is that like philosophy make it okay? You know? I understand the philosophy, but I feel like they're removing the control from the player. Whenever you remove control from the player, say the player wants to play Pokemon as a single player experience. They don't have any friends. They don't want any friends. They don't want to play Pokemon with other people. They just want to enjoy it themselves. They can't complete the game without if they wanted to do that, they would have to find someone to trade with. And that, in my opinion, removes control from the players and is overall a negative thing. And that's what I love about accessibility in various aspects of games that we see nowadays is it always gives players more options and more control over how they want to play versus the developers or the studio heads telling a player, hey, this is how we want you to play in comparison. That makes sense. Right, I think that's kind of going back to the Soul Calibur reference I was making of like, that is a very old thought process, mm-hmm. right? That they've just carried forward into the newer generations. Yeah, like this is something that it launched right in nineteen, I think it was nineteen ninety six, and back then, right, it was brand new. You know, it was innovative to say, hey, here's this feature that we can communicate between two different devices, kind of, and have this like shared experience. Whereas now, right, it's more like, oh, sharing is, you know, anyone could do it in the split second, like via cell phone, right? Like Mm -hmm. finding something created by another person in the world is very easy to do. Whereas back in the 90s, it was kind of the advent of that technology coming into being. So it's like, I think I like I personally, I mean, I agree with you, but also I think it's just a carryover from that bygone era. Mm -hmm. And so it's that thing that it should evolve, you know, pun intended, (laughs) uh, to kind of accommodate this kind of new form of how well we are connected to say we don't need the force exclusivity anymore. Like if anything, if they want to encourage kind of this social interaction, maybe do more stuff with like the raid system, right? Like as they introduced with uh, X and Y, the um, raid battles, that that's something that could be a cool way to say, hey, you know, maybe you can get all the poke like all the like, let's say new generation Pokemon in the game itself. But then here are these quote unquote like raid battles where you need a co-op with other players to like get this specific thing, right? To get this achievement. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, whether it's like a specific Pokemon or maybe some sort of cosmetic item or what have you, I think that's kind of where I think they should kind of force that exclusivity where it's not necessarily how you play or it's not based on the version of the game you get right and like locking it to be like oh yeah you need to basically buy the game twice to get the whole experience but it's more so you need to engage with this particular thing and if you don't want to you don't have to you just won't be able to get that you know kind of superfluous item but it's not necessarily impacting the gameplay itself right of catching them all and so i i think that is definitely that's something i didn't really think about and for this conversation that's a good point you brought up yeah sort of like with the whole pokemon thing um you know comparing the two versions and then thinking about 
this is a form of exclusivity that yes, you were playing it on the Game Boy, but then they add this extra layer of like, oh, you need the Game Boy and you need a game and you need a link cable and you need a second person also with the Game Boy and another copy of the game and then you can get the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this kind of, it feels a little bit grimy in a way that it's this kind of like doubling down of having to invest twice. But then also, right, at the time it was this kind of, way to encourage you know gaming with more people right and not to say gaming with people wasn't encouraged you know obviously arcades grew up with that style um but you know looking to now it's more so right gaming at home you know it's not as easy to find people to physically connect with so we're connecting over the internet um and so maybe things like that should kind of disappear in order to address the the new kind of technology that's out there um but, you know, kind of going back to the multi-platform aspect, I, I I would say when Matt brought up the idea of, right, like obviously indie, smaller games should be able to get out to as much people as possible. And Tiffany brought it up too of saying, right, these should be uh, available to the widest audience. You know, I wasn't necessarily saying all games should launch exclusive. <laughs> I know there is kind of that caveat that obviously they might not have the connections, albeit as you also brought up and Matt brought up, you know, there are sometimes, you know, maybe good deals, right? There's a lot of games that launch on Xbox game pass and you know, Microsoft is writing those indie devs, you know, a small sum, maybe even their whole budget, to like get that exclusivity to be on game pass. And so there's kind of maybe some benefits there. Um, but I would say the, my prime scenario where I feel a game should always be multi-platform is when it comes to multiplayer games. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's kind of the main idea that if your game was designed to be enjoyed with other people, Mm -hmm. you should be targeting as many platforms as possible because that's where you can keep the largest player base, you know, alive you have the option, right? Let's say you and your friends have different platforms. You can, you don't have to decide. Like everyone can kind of pick and choose where they want to play and how they want to play it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the biggest boon of going multi-platform is being able to accommodate everyone. Um, for example, you know, Helldivers two, it'll be out by the time this episode launches. You know, I love the first Helldivers, um, and with Helldivers two, it's launching on PS five and PC simultaneously. And it supports crossplay, and so there's this kind of nice marriage of saying, yes, it's a PlayStation Five console exclusive, but it will be on Steam, right? It will be available to PC players, and because it's a multiplayer game, right? You're playing with up to four people. This is a great way to keep the community alive, right, from the get-go. You know, you're not just limiting it to one console, but you're giving people the option to play where they want and to play with who they want, right, regardless of that choice you made. And so I think that's kind of one of those, like, key ideas that kind of goes along with multi-platform versus exclusive mm-hmm. is the idea of can you at least play with other people? And so that's yeah. something I really enjoy. You know, I've played a lot of games um, in the past on different platforms with my friends on other platforms where a lot of my friends enjoy playing on PC. And so it's always a great benefit to say, hey, I want the console version, you know, just because I want the DualSense features, and also, I want the trophies, if I'm being honest. And so it just gives me that option to be able to kind of make that choice for myself and not be punished for it. Yep. No, I totally agree with you as well. I think one of the greatest implementations that we've seen in the last few years is that we're, we've been seeing more and more cross-play and cross-plat multiplayer um, than we've ever seen before. Obviously, this is something that has been requested for years goes back to the old Call of Duty 4 days when people wanted Xbox versus PlayStation lobbies. Um, we've been asking for this for a very long time. 
And um, we're seeing nowadays, like Call of Duty, for example, the game I just brought up, you can play with people on Xbox, PlayStation, PC, doesn't matter where you're playing. You can play against them, you can play with them. And I think that's a great, great point for online multiplayer games, especially. Um, you want to keep that player base as active as possible, and you want it to reach as many players as possible, no matter where they prefer to play, whichever controller they like to play on, whatever peripheral they want to play on, um, they have that option. And I know crossplay was divisive early on as far as like who would support it, who wouldn't. Um, but I'm pretty hopeful that that will continue to expand as the the years go by. I know Sony was a little bit hesitant early on, but a lot of the newer games now support it across the board. I haven't really heard as many issues uh, in that sense. So I hope that continues. Because a recent example that's also happening right now is Foam Stars, which, you know, I haven't checked out or anything. Looks fun. <laughs> like it looks like a fun experience. But more likely than not, before the end of this year, that game will probably be dead. Like it probably <laughs> will not have as many people playing it because unless it's great, like maybe it is really fantastic. But if you just don't have that built-in player base, like having it as a PS Plus game does help because mm -hmm. everyone gets it for free. So that, that definitely does help. But when you don't have the install base of every different console, PC, like it just those communities will dry up and it will just be the, the hardcore of the hardcore and it will be super hard to get into because Knockout City, that was like something that I experienced. Like I came into Knockout City a little bit late. You go into those lobbies, it's like, nope, I, I'm getting demolished. I'm, this, is, this is not fun <laughs> anymore. Like I do not like this. How are they doing that? I can't, I barely can throw the ball and they're like doing crazy like 360 no scopes. So I don't know. Like I wish more people would do it um, which I don't know. I, I feel like more and more are doing it. Like even like TMNT Shredder's Revenge that were doing it. Like it was everywhere in that. Like it was saying cross play, cross platform. It was all in the invite friends settings. It didn't matter where you could go. Um, you know, they would have an option for that, which I'm super thankful for, but I don't know. I, I wish I saw more of this, especially for these more like quote unquote first party games that are multiplayer only. Like I just, it just makes more sense to invite everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, go ahead, Tiffany. Sorry. No, I was just going to say something like we can forget the switch though. You know, like I'm all about the cross platform. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like ragging on it. It's just like, it's, I, f I just feel like it just is limited and isn't at its optimal pace. You know, like fall guys, mm -hmm. when it like joined mm -hmm. the switch, I was like, dang but why would i ever choose to play that version when i have yeah. it elsewhere you know so that's kind of the one i think big downside of cross play and cross plat especially in online games um you make one point with the switch and that has come up countless times in my experience too like for example um the game that i play the most online dead by daylight you can play that on the switch and everybody like makes fun of it because it's just the performance on the Switch is so bad. But developers specifically put the Switch only with mobile players because they know they can't have that kind of um, difference in performance because it would be just an unfair advantage for the people on both sides. Um, so obviously that's unfortunate, but I think there are ways around it, like what they do with Dead by Daylight, where they kind of 
group in like platforms together and then it's less of an issue but then you don't get the full expanse of crossplay and the benefits when you have those switch players that want to play with their friend on playstation for example um so i mean that's more a knock on nintendo than anyone else but hopefully they can kind of catch up on that regard too <laughs> speaking of fall guys and dbd i love 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 cross progression yes. fall guys when it released on xbox yes. i popped into xbox everything was there mm-hmm. i could play i could play with my xbox friends i could switch to playstation like i could do whatever i want like yeah. depending upon which party i was in like that was what I was playing on, and it was so much fun because, like, Gerald, friend of the show, <laughs> only on Xbox. So, like, if I'm playing with him, I'm going to be on an Xbox chat, and he loves Fall Guys, and it was fun to play. And, it like, all my crap was there. Like, hours and hours and hours of experiences <laughs> was still there. Yeah. All the achievements popped. Like, that obviously really is something I love. And so, like, that helps the thing. But, you know, DVD... You know, there is no cross-progression between consoles. There, There is cross-progression between Steam and Epic. But outside of that, I think they've said that they're looking into it. But that would be really awesome. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I want to get some of those trophies. Like, maybe I don't want to spend all that money for all the DLC that I have on Xbox. Yeah. Like, I'm if I want to play DVD, I kind of have to play on Xbox. <sighs> and I don't know about you, Yas. Like, don't you, you usually play on PC? Always and I guess PC that now. doesn't yeah. have any cross progression to your xbox no account, right? exactly um there are a lot of instances where you run into this issue i think we're not gonna see it in the future but you're totally right it okay. sucks right now because we're in that kind of middle ground where we just started seeing this get implemented in a lot of games but a lot of those games started off as single platform not cross plat not cross play gotcha. when they launched and as a result there's a lot of um inner workings as far as the coding is concerned with their network uh, and how that works as far as the matchmaking and the progression, the licensing deals even, that that wasn't really optimized or thought of when they first launched the game. And now to try to implement it in after the fact makes it difficult, especially with these Mm -hmm. games that have longer lifespans because they're live service like DVD, like the Division 2 and other, um, and Destiny 2, even though, Bungie did a good job of kind of doing it after the fact, but not all developers have the same uh, funding and capacity that Bungie does, for example. Um, So I think we're going to see a lot more of it going forward, or a lot less of it, sorry, going forward, those kind of issues, because a lot of games are going to start launching with the expectation that there's going to be cross-play and cross-plat, especially if they're launching the game on all those different consoles or devices at the same time. Um. But to go back to a point that Yasa brought up, this didn't relate to crossplay, but it reminded me. So mobile, right? Obviously, there's a lot of games that get poured to mobile, but then there's also a lot of games that are born on mobile. And something um, that I realized, you know, and it, it's really Tiffany. Like Tiffany, you enjoyed Grindstone, right, on Switch? Yes, I did. And that originally was an <laughs> Apple Arcade game. Yep. Right. So that was locked to iOS. Yep. And that's one of those things where there's another layer. It's like, oh, it it's not necessarily mobile only, but even iOS, some iOS games are locked to that platform. Mm-hmm. And one example I have that I am hopeful will come off the platform, and there are rumors, um, right, that it might get ported, um, is Fantasian, 
Uh, it's a RPG that's designed by Hironobu Sakaguchi, you know, one of the what they deem the father of Final Fantasy. It was an RPG he created for Apple Arcade and iOS, and it's locked there forever. And apparently it's like a pretty good RPG, but it's not available on any other platform. So unless you have an iOS device, you just can't play that game. And that's like one of those examples where I feel like sometimes there are a lot of things that are born, especially on mobile that, you know, and I'm not talking about stuff like Floppy Bird or <laughs> uh, Angry Birds, uh, but that are mobile titles first and foremost, but that I think would still be pretty good. You know, like, yes, it kind of uses the fact that it's on a mobile device as part of the gameplay, but it's, mm-hmm. I think, still relatively playable as any, you know, on a PC or on a console. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like another example of saying, right, like Grindstone made the port over, that developer was able to get that happening. So I'm hopeful more of these kind of like mobile first titles find their way off of that island and right kind of spreading. And likewise, right, it's been kind of the the opposite where a lot of games have gone to mobile in order to give you that option. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that we kind of get that cross pollination. Yeah. I actually have a lot of games from the Apple Arcade. Like I, I played this one game called Tangle Tower, which was like a mystery point and click thing that was apparently originally on Apple Arcade. I didn't know that until after I like finished it on Switch. And then also What the Golf. I remember when What the Golf took Apple Arcade by storm like along with Grindstone and the moment that it came to the Switch I like bought it immediately so like I'm a fan of I guess that's part of the whole limited exclusivity thing yep yep um, no, which I'm a fan of that's a really good point or, mobile yeah. is becoming I mean it's already become a huge piece of gaming revenue and it's not even something that is talked about very often like funnily enough in a lot of different podcasts and gaming websites. But that deal that Microsoft had to buy Activision Blizzard, they also got King and that has like Peggle or whatever the heck mobile games that they have. And that makes more revenue or as much revenue as Activision Blizzard games do. And like no one talked about it because no one talks about mobile games for whatever reason. Um, But I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Mobile is like another piece that is also segmented from console games. Um, and you you can see, like, for Apple Arcade games in specific, they're trying to expand them to other devices by um, getting them to be more accessible on Apple TV so that you can play it on uh, a TV with a Bluetooth controller. But it really would be great to have more uh, interpollination, like you guys are saying, with all the different types of devices. And that's what I really am hopeful that we're going to see in the future is our favorite games are accessible no matter what device we're playing on. And that's what I really like about kind of Microsoft's approach with some of their more recent services because like Game Pass, for example, all those games you can play on your console, you can play on your PC if you want to, you can play on your mobile device if you want to. And obviously mobile, um, it can usually end up being streaming, but PC and Xbox, total cross progression, total, like you're installing the game um, and it works as if it was developed for that, then I hope that we can see that kind of integration also into mobile where you see high fidelity games like Resident Evil 4 and Death Stranding um, make their way onto mobile so that you can just play them with full cross progression, ideally, on those devices and on the go and whenever you want to or however you want to. Right. And at the end of the day, right, it, 
obviously this all kind of boils down to just giving us options yeah. right it's mm-hmm. it's just being able to decide for ourselves to be like hey you know as long as this isn't going way beyond the boundaries of right budget and whatnot and obviously i understand these corporations need to make money but it's that level of saying hey maybe the corporations will make more money if we had the choice of where yeah. we want to play right <laughs> if you if you restrict that choice then I just don't even have the option. Right. right? It's like I let's say I want to play a certain game, you know. And this is actually something I was gonna bring up to Matt, but obviously with uh, some recent uh, news, right? Obviously related to Microsoft, where uh, apparently it seems like Hi-Fi Rush may might be making its uh, way to other platforms uh, beyond its original launch platforms, and so that's kind of one of those things of saying, well, do I just take the dive? Right? Matt loved Hi-Fi Rush from last year. I was, you know, intrigued enough to be like, maybe I should give this a shot. Just, just buy it on PC. But with the recent news that it's coming to Switch and PlayStation potentially, mm-hmm. based on you know what seems to be pretty credible uh, evidence, mm-hmm. that now I have the option to be like, well, if I wanted to play on PlayStation, now I have that choice, right? right. I'm not saying I'm gonna, you know, restrict myself and not get it just because it wasn't on it. But now it's like, well, if it's an option, I'll just get yeah. that, and Microsoft will get my money, right? right? I'll buy the product and they'll that's extra income for yeah them, so exactly and i think that makes the most sense when you think about it in the long run because they get the investment of the timed exclusivity like you were saying and that can help drive hardware sales if that's important to you and then once you release that exclusivity you can expand your player base get more people to get to try your game and you're still getting that income whether it's hi-fi rush mm-hmm. going to playstation or it's um, PlayStation, a PlayStation game like uh, Horizon's sequel, I'm forgetting the name, someone help me out. Forbidden West. Forbidden West, yeah, that's releasing on PC in a couple months. Um, they're, Sony's still going to get that income for every single game sold on Steam. So end of the day, they're still getting the profit that they want out of their games, and they're getting increased profit, if anything, because an expanded player base who doesn't potentially want to buy a console can still get to play their game. Yeah, I think like the Hi-Fi Rush example, th- this is like perfect scenario for Xbox in my opinion. Like this was a day one, no one expected this. No one even knew that this was happening from Tango. Like the people that made the Evil Within series releasing this action RPG or action combat um, rhythm rhythm game that just like, started getting a bunch of nines, started getting a lot of tens and put a lot of worth in game pass. And so maybe it helped increase their followers. Tango Gameworks though, from the very beginning, that game was paid off. Like in my opinion, like they, they showed their worth and now they get to get to put it onto switch and to Sony get even more money. It's just going to be gravy at this point. And then maybe they can do another, game like people have been asking ever since this release last year everybody's been asking when's hi-fi rush 2 coming out like they love the characters they love the world they love the art style let's do more of this let's do less of evil within like let's do this thing and so this is like this is how they do it like i i think this is this is an awesome example of you know it sucks you know tiffany is not going to buy hi-fi rush on pc let me be honest she probably won't buy a hi-fi rush ever but if yep. she did want to, now she can. Like now she can buy it on Switch. Now she can buy it on on PlayStation. Wait, 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 wait. And that's that's awesome. Wait, hold on. You're telling me if it went to Switch, 
Tiffany's not buying it. No I shot. don't think I don't think it's a I, Tiffany game. You don't think I so? Don't, I'm, I don't. I'm. I don't have. I don't have rhythm. I don't. Oh, you as don't much have as rhythm. I, okay. As much as I love <laughs> music games, like I'm gonna be real. Like I've bought a lot of music games in my day. Uh-huh. Like we have Rock Band. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a point where Guitar Heroes map that song maps like was uh, was my personality for a month. Oh, like it just shout out to Beat Saber. Oh yeah, Beat. Sa- oh god, I literally bu- guys, I bought a PlayStation <laughs> VR in order to play Beat Saber. Wait, what? I so you literally do enjoy bu- music games. I do, but like <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush is action music, and I'm not. I don't know how I like am. Like, I don't know if I jive with Saber. that. Because Beat Is Saber, like, you have to stay to the beat, right, to actually, like, pass the level. Yeah. Like, Hi-Fi true. Rush, like, helps you. It, like, assists you in doing it. Yeah. Can it's I just, be, like, action rhythm it. games Trust are kind of tough. You'll get Can I be one. honest? Can I be honest with everyone? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. about to drop a truth bomb. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> I get... We all got closer to our minds. Yeah, everyone get closer. Everyone get closer. Listen, listen up. Keep an open ear. I think I finally realized that because i'm like almost always on the hype train if i don't meet the hype when it's the hypest like at the zeitgeist of it there's a chance (laughs) that i just keep riding the train into the next hype machine and i never never look back back. never look back old games old (laughs) no it's it's literally like snowpiercer you're just going in one direction around the globe games old like okay. uh, rip I've, to Marvel Spider-Man Two from 2023. <laughs> we will never see you ever again. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I don't know, me, you guys. It's you. It's it is me though, right? <laughs> no. Like it. And so this is where I I toe the line when we yeah. talked about this time exclusivity thing. Like, if literally, if like three months ago there's this Xbox game that was like literally everyone and their mother was like, this is game of the year. Like, it is amazing. Everyone needs to play it. And then like, oh, I'm like, oh, can I play it? And I'm like, oh, I don't know Xbox. I can't play it. And then it comes out, you know, but then it comes out like three months later. I've like moved on. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? You're you're experiencing that right now because I assure you, you'd be enjoying Pal World right now if you had access to it. (laughs) You might be right. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably true, but like I don't. Right? Is it coming elsewhere? Who knows? But when it does, the, you probably won't be interested. It sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I won't. Old game is old. It. Listen, I bought <laughs> Disney Dreamlight Valley when it was beta access, whatever pre-release, whatever that's called. I played that thing for like six weeks straight. I put in over like I don't know eighty hours into that business. It released real time or it released for reels for reels like in the the like November, October of 2023 or no, 2024. And I had bought it in 2020, like September 2023. And I know I have a friend that I actually gifted Dreamlight Valley to for her birthday and she loved it and was all in. And it that even wasn't enough for me to go back because I'd oh already gosh. like pl- played. I mean, and I don't know. I just... I think that I was already like trying to be excited about Spider-Man 2, you know, like it was literally around the time that Spider-Man 2 was coming out. And I was like, oh, I should play that instead. Never played it. Um, But I was more excited for that than, you know, Disney Dreamlight Valley, like trying to get back into Disney Dreamlight Valley with a friend who was finally in it for the first time, you know? Yeah, that's very fascinating, honestly. Have we had like a pod on Zeitgeist and in the works because i feel like we that's did, an interesting conversation okay 
Yeah, we. Okay, have. I'm gonna have to. I, I I do agree though that I feel like that w- there is that downside to exclusivity where, you know, not to say I agree with Tiffany's stance because you know I will. He's like, fundamentally. Yeah, he's fundamentally different than me. <laughs> yeah, like I'll go back to the hits and be like, you know, yeah. I heard this was good. I need to check it out. Right? right, stuff like Mass Effect. Like that was something that right when Mass Effect One came out. PS3 didn't wasn't even launched yet, and so it was a 360 exclusive, mm-hmm. and it didn't like Mass Effect One didn't even come to PS3 till like many years that's later. Right. So that was just kind of uh, an example of it. But you know that's something I made the effort to be like, okay, yeah. when the Legendary Collection came out, I knew a lot of people that loved Mass Effect, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy it on PC, and I'm gonna you know have a good time and go through it. And then um, on the flip side, though, going back to the exclusivity thing, I, there are moments though I kind of feel like it does affect me though, where I if I don't hit it as it's launching, it is that kind of thing where it's like, well, by the time I would have made time to go through it, the next big thing is out, and so it's kind of hard to like delay that next big thing if something's. What's an out, example right? of that? Like this, right? why some games um, versus others? We're li- well, I think. It's mostly the factor of hype because it's like right now is a prime example of, you know, we're rolling. I'm enjoying like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Fantastic. 10 out of 10 game. Oh, early Watch preview. Out. It's going to be on the top. It's going to be on the top six. Oh my six. gosh. Spoiler alert. Wait for it. Um, but it's so long, right? It's taking up my time rolling up into Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of stuff, right, that's coming out in between. You know, we just passed Suicide Squad and Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Uh-huh. Helldivers 2 is, you know, imminent. Uh-huh. And uh, on top of that, Persona 3 Reload, right? That's something I mentioned earlier this uh-huh. year. It's something I will get to, but that's way on the back burner just because of everything else that's uh-huh. come out. And it's right, like, it's something I will visit, but it's going to be, you know, maybe summertime by the time I can get to it, right? based on everything else coming out and so just this kind of degree of learning what you can fit in and what you think you will enjoy but it's not it doesn't rise to that level to like fit in now i also kind of want to relay back really quick to like another thing that maybe i'm just like a mood experiencer um but like whenever i am excited about a book that i want to read and then I have to like, okay, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to buy it. So I guess I've got to go to my local library. And then I put a hold on it. And this book is like, we'll see you in three, th- in 13 weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, you know, because they, you know, they only, even the ebook version, they only yeah. have like, you know, 12 copies and there's like 130 people in line, right? Yeah, buy it. And that game will show or that book will sh- like show up as ready to read. And I'm like, I don't have time to read this in <laughs> three weeks. Like, and yeah. then I'm like, well, I guess I'll just not read it i don't i don't know like i'm reading something else i you know you can only have so many holds up one time it's like here Mm -hmm. once you have the hold you can only you have three weeks to get to it what if i don't feel like reading it anymore you know i don't so it's almost like the same vibes for me for um for like games and now that i think more about it even but maybe tv or movies Oh, not so much movies. I feel like TV. If someone's like, oh, man, this is so good. And then I'm just like, it's suddenly been a year later and I still haven't seen it, even though I do have intentions to see it. But it's like no one's talking about it anymore. So I just forget about it. Mm. That's really interesting. Honestly, I feel like I'm the exact opposite where I don't care to play something on release. I'll play it when, like you said, I feel like I have a gap in time that I can commit to it. 
so that I don't mm-hmm. just drop, I don't just play it for a few hours and then drop it. Cause I've definitely done that with a lot of games and yeah, I feel like I'd rather not do that and just say, okay, that's releasing right now. And that's cool. I'm glad everyone's really enjoying that, but I'll get to it in like a few months or a year and then I'll enjoy it myself. Um, but I get it because a lot of people like to like talk through how much they enjoy specific levels with certain uh, and certain things about the game with other people. And so I totally get it from that perspective too. Yeah. And now that I reflect back even more about this conversation, I feel like I need games to be multi-platform because then it just literally actually increases the market share and like it gives me more opportunity like if I happen to hit the zeitgeist at the right time Mm -hmm. more chances to be able to talk to someone about it because I like guys we have a podcast and this stemmed from wanting to talk about stuff that we love (laughs) and enjoy like do you know what I mean Yeah. Like I'm like desperately like I, I that book that <laughs> Wait, I, we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's weird. That, recording that <laughs> guys, the book that I like took a day off for to read, I binge read it. Obviously I read it within twenty four hours and I had to agonizingly wait for people to get to it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And I was just yeah. like, oh my God, please, like someone, pl- like, let, let, let me know when you're there or like, can you live stream your consciousness to me <laughs> while you're reading it? Like, whenever you take a break, just tell me what, you know, you're feeling based on the chapter you read. And it's just like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just yeah. need someone to talk to about it. So if they're not, you know, Yasser, if you play one game that you're like, oh, I finally got to this, I'm going I'm to be like, which game is that again? I <laughs> Like yeah, no, myself. I get it. I think that makes a lot of sense. So we're learning that you are pro-consumer, which is, that's great. Um, but I think you make a really good point. And I feel like I also am like you in the sense that I want to be able to see what other people's experiences are with the things that I consume as well, whether it be TV shows or movies or games. And I think even though I agree with you there, that it actually is easier than ever from my perspective to play things later. Um, Mainly because I feel like I'm off of social media, so I don't really have to worry about like spoilers and whatnot, but what's great. That's the number one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially you've, you brought that up a lot. I know uh, about like trying to avoid spoilers and that being like a big incentive for you to want to play things early. Um, But as far as getting other people's opinions and experiences with various forms of media, I think it's great that I can watch uh, a a TV show or read a book right now that came out maybe like four or five years ago. And then I can go into a podcast like archive and watch like the binge mode version of it or like the replay version of it where they talk about like chapters one through three and then four through six of Harry Potter as I'm reading along at the same time. Maybe it's a reread. Maybe it's the first time I'm reading it. And I want to know someone else's experience reading it uh, at the same time. I can do that via podcasts, via YouTube mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't do that before. And I think that's great. And I think it makes it even more worthwhile for me to want to experience something that I haven't yet, even if it's not part of the zeitgeist, because I have those other avenues of figuring out what people enjoyed and didn't like about an experience. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, is, does anyone have any uh, lingering thoughts about 
exclusivity and kind of accessibility or multi-platform cross-platform cross-play you know i know we use a lot of terms here (laughs) today listeners and i guess it's more so like if you're in the know you understand generally the terms are pretty self-explanatory it's the idea of saying right is it available on more than one platform then it's multi-platform can you uh, access things across platforms? And typically that's what's described as cross-platform. Can you interact with people on different platforms? And that's kind of a form of cross-play. Obviously these terms maybe could use a little bit more distinguishing features, but obviously this uh, industry doesn't really have a set lexicon and they kind of just grow naturally. Um, And so these terms just kind of became the a de facto way to describe these things. Can we? And, you know, this is kind of like the rogue light. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I was like, can we start defining that again? Uh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to look it up every time. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, let the people play the games when they want to and where they want to. Yeah, I totally agree. Here, here. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Matt over here has been open up to so many more games. You know, he's loving his PS Portal. Oh my god, so it's amazing! Matt, you want to talk about that? That enablement? Oh, it's amazing. It's honestly perfect. It's so. It has opened up so many like other avenues, like that in the backbone. Like if you just think about backbone as like a super accessible. like over Black Friday and Christmas, it was like $69. Like it is, it is just one of those things where you might not be able to play on your TV at all times. And like, that's another form of accessibility where it's just mirroring your Xbox or PlayStation and you could just sit on your couch while, you know, your significant other watches TV or whatever. Like it is perfect. I PS portal. I I'm hoping I don't know if it will be, but like it, it should be a huge chunk of my PlayStation gaming this year. Like at my my end of year wrap up, I'm curious. With a full year of PS Portal, will the PS Portal be my number one device or number one controller at the end of 2024? Interesting. I don't know. Oh yeah, we'll I hope they can distinguish that. And that will be great <laughs> if it's like, oh yeah, you've spent like 900 hours on the Portal alone. Yeah, that'd Listen, be awesome. If they ever, if they ever put the Power Wash Simulator <laughs> DLC on sale, it's guaranteed. It's just absolutely guaranteed. He's like, it's 900 hours of just Power Wash Simulator. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, with that, that comes to the end of this great crosstalk conversation about multi-platform exclusivity or lack thereof. If you like this episode... You know, please subscribe. Give us a like if possible. Thanks to Grandmaster Doug for the tunes. And until next time, take care. We can forget the switch, though, you know? If it's going to be booty...